Welcome to The Work of Art. I'm Ted Weinstein. The Work of Art is a series of conversations with some of the world's leading writers, musicians, photographers, artists, and others discussing their creative process and their creative lives. Welcome to The Work of Art. My name is Ted Weinstein. Our guest today is Travis Jensen, an already legendary young San Francisco street photographer. He uh, also does a wide range of other editorial and commercial photography. And if you'd like to see his images during this conversation, his website is travisjensenphoto.com. So, Travis, thanks very much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ted. You're best known for doing sort of candid street scenes and street portraits and urban landscapes. How did you start with this kind of photography and why do you spend so much time with it? That's where uh, my comfort zone is, uh, actually. You know, I grew up as a skateboarder. You know, I started skateboarding at a young age, like sixth or seventh grade. And, you know, what goes along with that, this was before there were a lot of skate parks. So I would, you know, we would hit the streets and we would go all over town, you know, different different neighborhoods and, and just skate. So I realized, it wasn't until later that I realized like part of what attracted me to street skateboarding was just, you know, the fact of, you know, kind of being out in the streets and just being part of the rhythm that was going on in the streets. You know, that's where I felt comfortable. You know, like when I had my skateboard and I was out, I felt untouchable. You know, I blended in. Um, like I said, I was just part of the rhythm. When I started, you know, really focusing on photography, I didn't really know that that was what I was doing with street photography. That was just sort of my comfort zone. I mean, I knew, you know, obviously the difference between like landscape photos and architecture and, and street, but I didn't really identify myself as a street photographer. That that was just what was natural to me. It's sort of like the fish who doesn't realize he's paddling around in the water. I- exactly. Like that was where my comfort zone was. And, you know, being in the in the Tenderloin or like around mid-market or the Mission or Excelsior or wherever, like I just felt comfortable out there with my camera, even though a lot of people, you know, may say, oh, you know, it's dangerous being out there with a the camera. But, you know, I just kind of looked at it like, when I was young with a skateboard, I was, I'm supposed to be out here. You know, this is, this is, this is my environment. How did it change when you originally you're skating? Was that here in San Francisco or back where you're from? Yeah, originally? So, um, so I, I grew up in Milwaukee and I moved to San Francisco, like right out of high school. And, you know, everybody thought I was crazy. I, I didn't have a lot of money. You know, I think I, after I bought a one way airline ticket, I think I had like $800 or just around $800. So I came out to San Francisco to kind of be a part of this, this uh, movement that was happening out here with skateboarding. This was sort of the epic center, you know, for skateboarding. And if you wanted to be a part of the industry, this is where you needed to be in the, in the early to mid nineties. And uh, at a young age, I knew that was the direction I wanted to take my life. You know, that's, uh, you know, skateboarding inside and out and uh, made the move. And as I got older, I realized, you know, well, like, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to make a living off this. You know, ironically, I, I picked up writing, just kind of like short stories and, you know, different rants and whatnot. And uh, just kind of writing about like different experiences I had, like living out here. You know, I had some crazy stories and people were encouraging me. They're like, God, you got to write some of this down. Like some of these stories are unreal. But that's not often a path to big money. Yeah, no, but it was just, uh, you know, I, I've, the money's never been a, uh, 
you know, the, a draw for me. It's always just, uh, I do it out of the love. So I started writing these stories and, you know, one thing led to another. The next thing I know, I was freelancing for a lot of magazines and newspapers, including the San Francisco Chronicle. So when I was, you know, working closely with the Chronicle, I had a column, you know, in the 96 hours section, and then I did a lot of cool features for the date book. And this isn't specific to the Chronicle, but just in general, I was never really like quite happy with the photos. You know, I always was like, God, you know, I spent like three weeks writing and researching this. And then, you know, I would see a photographer come in and like it was just they looked at it like this is my job. I guess that same passion wasn't there. You know, I mean, granted, this is, it was my story. So, of course, they're not going to be as connected to it as I am. Or, you know, I, at one point I made a very conscious decision. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like really focus on my photography because I was interested in photography at the same time while I was writing. But at that time, I was more just taking pictures to accompany a story, whereas now I may just put a little bit of text to accompany a photo, but for the most part, I like to let the images speak for themselves. When you made the switch from being part of street culture and skating and just being part of the crowd to pulling out a camera and taking pictures, did that change your relationship with the folks you were hanging out with? Not really, because they, um, you know, they accepted it. And, and now it's just, you know, it's, I use it as a way where it's just really, especially if there's like stuff with my friends, like out in the Excelsior or, or, or something like that. It's just, um, it's all very organic. Like we're not out there like planned, like, you know, like we have this planned shoot. It's just sort of like, we're out there hanging out, you know, maybe we're on Excelsior and mission or Russia and Naples and everyone's just kind of hanging out. And then somebody will, you know, sort of just jump on their motorcycle or jump in their car or something will happen. And then I just start taking pictures and it's still very organic. You know, it's not like people are really conscious of what I'm doing. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's our friend, the photographer. He's always taking pictures. So I feel like I really get these like unrehearsed moments, especially out there. And, you know, when I'm shooting candidly on like Market Street or in the Tenderloin, you know, for the most part, that's what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for like raw street material. And um, and I feel like I blend in in a sense where I fit in enough to where I can do it in a way where it doesn't come off as being rehearsed in any way. That's an interesting part of the work because there's two different viewpoints about street photography. Some folks figure uh, feel that it's very important to be um, a sniper and shooting without the subject realizing what you're doing in advance. And others say it's really important to engage with the subject first. Uh, some of your pictures seem to be one way, some the other. Is there one that feels more comfortable to you? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I really, um, it's, that's a decision whether to shoot candidly or to ask an individual. That, that decision kind of comes like, it's a split second decision that I make. I mean, a, a, always a great, a candid is always, you know, my, my favorite when you just kind of grab that like raw moment where it's very, um, you know, just spontaneous. Those are, those are obviously the best, but you know, and sometimes like portraits can reveal a lot about a person without revealing too much, you know, because I think a good photo, whether candid or posed still needs to have an element of like mystery to it. That's interesting. What do you mean by mystery? You know, we're just not all the answers are supplied. You know, where there's there's information there as to what's going on and you can kind of put two and two together in your head. But, it, you know, not all the information is supplied. You know, there's there's usually more than meets the eye. Do you ever have any of your subjects get uh, unhappy when they see you shooting and confront you? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. But, uh, you know, I just stand my ground and that's what I do. And and uh, I the way that I shoot, 
I do it in a way where I don't try to embarrass people. You know, my goal is to like make everybody look their best, regardless of their situation. You know, I don't I don't try to embarrass people with my camera, and I feel like that's a go-to with a lot of street photographers. You know, to like embarrass people. You know, like oh, here's this funny person, ha ha ha, and then they just kind of run up and like shove their camera at them, and they get this, you know, they get and they get this just really you know, just wild photograph of the person kind of like looking like they're in hysteria or there's something the matter with them. And, you know, it's like this har, har, har. And for me, I don't do that just because, um, for one, I wouldn't want a picture of me out there like that, you know, where I wasn't looking, you know, where I was going through it in some way or another. And, you know, some, some asshole comes up to me and shoves her camera in my face and just pop, 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 and then runs away. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, that's, I wouldn't like that. So I always kind of like put that in, you know, I take that into consideration with, with every photo. Like, what are the consequences of, of this photograph here? Like, what would this person think if I put this out? You know, I have pictures of people smoking crack and doing crazy things. and But I would just never, you know, I would never use those just out of respect for the individual. Like, I would, they'll never see the light of day. A lot of times, I just won't even shoot that kind of stuff, you know, just out of respect for the individual. Even though you're seeing it right in front of you as you're walking through. Even though I'm seeing it right in front of me, I just, I feel it's a low blow. It's like hidden below the, below the belt. These folks are largely strangers you're seeing. Yeah, they're, they're strangers, but they're still humans, you know? And I feel like a lot of street photographers don't take that into consideration. Like, hey, how would I feel if this was me and I was out here and I wasn't, you know, maybe I was struggling with some sort of an illness or something. And then, you know, here's some asshole comes up and just starts firing pictures of me and puts them all over the internet, you know, so I really do take that into consideration. You know, I try to portray the individuals I photograph, whether it's a candid or a posed photo with a lot of dignity and respect. What are you getting out of this? You're going into some very tough neighborhoods, spending an enormous amount of time that's not being compensated directly. What drives you? What, uh, what are you getting me. out of this whole process? That's just me. You know, that's just me. That's who, you know, that's how I grew up. That's, you know, that's, that's who I'm around. That's who my friends are. You know, it's just, that's just me. You know, I, I in, in, in some ways, I kind of like that being uncomfortable. You know, I feel like that's a good thing for people to feel is like that, that feeling of, of you know, putting, I'm all for putting yourself in, in uncomfortable situations, let's just say. I feel that, that those types of experiences just make you stronger as a person at the end of the day. You've got a couple of kids. Are they at the age yet where you can start teaching them these kinds of lessons directly? Oh, yeah. I take my kids out everywhere, you know, in the city. And, and you know, I'm not one of these uh, street photographers that, you know, goes into the shit on Saturday and Sunday and then retreats back to my, like, bungalow. And, you know, that's like I'm really out there. And, I'm you know, I'm, I'm on the street. I'm riding the buses. You know, I'm out on the block. And, that, and that's, you know, part of it is just... Uh, you know, street photography at the end of the day, it's all about respect. And I treat that to my, and I, you know, and that's what I, the message I teach to my kids, you know, respect everybody, regardless of what they look like or, you know, and, and they get it. How is the work when you're doing commercial work for uh, advertisers, folks that are paying you for something that's intended as a showcase for whatever it is they're trying to market? Mm -hmm. How do you bring that kind of mindset to bear in a commercial project? Um, you know, uh, fortunately, I've 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 been able to work with with a lot of companies that'll hire me. You know, for that vision. You know, like they'll hire me for me. 
And um, here's an example. Just recently, I, I worked on a project down in Los Angeles for a week. And they said, you know, just uh, go out there, you know, hit the streets. You know, here's some, here's a list of, you know, like places that we need to have incorporated into here. You know, go out, hit the streets, have fun, shoot it like you would normally shoot it. But just keep in mind that at the end of the day, you know, these are going to be, this is going to be, you know, we need to sell hotel rooms at the end of the day. You know, you don't, don't scare people, but, you know, have fun, do you. And, uh, and that works quite well. You know, I just kind of think about what, what I would be like if it was just, you know, what, you know, what my experience would be like if it was just my wife and I there, or my wife and kids, you know. And so I'll just go out and I'll, you know, I'll shoot the streets. I'll, I'll hit the list of spots that, that they want to, you know, focus on and, you know, do a bunch of pretty night shots and long exposures and all the traditional work. But, you know, what they really want to see is the neighborhood and they know that I'm a person that could kind of go there blindly and photograph the neighborhood and do it in a way that, you know, is respectful, you know, being mindful of, you know, people's faces that are in the photos. And so it's challenging for me. It's like, okay, I need to get make some really great photographs, but I can't have anyone's face in here, but there needs to be people in it. You know, it's a challenge for me and I actually quite enjoy the work. How is it working in a different town? Did things feel different other than obviously LA is just a different place from San Francisco because it's not your stomping grounds? Did it add a different feeling to the way oh, you were absolutely. going about it? I, I, like I said, I love I love putting you know myself in those types of uncomfortable situations and just relying on you know who I am as a person or a man and just like and I think people can pick up on that you know and. You know, I'm down in Los Angeles, I'm downtown, I'm in like new terrain, you know, there's different types of folks all over the place. I don't, yeah, I definitely am like at a disadvantage because I don't know what's going on on every corner. Like here's a pack of 10 guys hanging out here. What are they doing? I have no idea, but I'm very curious, you know, so it's just like I said, it's it's a great challenge for me. I love just seeing what I can do with my camera in new cities and, and, and I consider myself a people person in the sense, you know, I'm very curious and, you know, I always, you know, approach people with respect unless given a reason not to, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, um, what I do is not all like holding hands in the street and singing, you know, busting into musicals. Like, you know, it def I definitely have issues, you know, all the time. Have you ever had your gear stolen? Oh, oh no, no, no. Never had my gear stolen, but you know, I've had, you know, arguments and stuff and, Let's talk a little bit about just the craft of the shooting, because I know some of our listeners are very curious about nuts and bolts and want to learn from your expertise. Uh, first, a lot of your shooting is done in black and white. Do you set your camera so you see in black and white, or is it a, a, a conversion you do later? I shoot a mix of like uh, digital and, and, um, and film, 35 millimeter and 120. But the way the light is in San Francisco... I would say 85 to 90% of the time, it sort of commands black and white. Everybody thinks San Francisco is a very colorful city, which it is, but with all of the, you know, the fog we get here and in the, in the gray skies, especially like this time of year, you know, it's uh, San Francisco to me has just always looked better in black and white. You know, I just feel like the light, you know, the light looks better you know, in black and white, like colors here, you really, I feel like unless the light's really good, you have to, you really have to work it. I love color as much as the next, but you'll notice that I only use it when like the light is really, really good. 
Yeah, it's very sparing on the on the images you share publicly. There's only a few, and they stand out that much more for that reason. Yeah. And that's why I was curious. In your mind, though, you are converting to black and white oh, as you're doing I, the shooting? Yeah, before I even snap the photo. Like, I'm looking at it already in black and white, usually, unless the light's really nice. And what kind of post-processing do you do? Are you working in Lightroom, Aperture, yeah, just, Photoshop? I just use Lightroom. Um, I try not to crop too much. I, I really like those, like, really close, wide shots. I like the, excuse me, sorry. I like those uh, those really close and wide shots where you can tell that they're not cropped and that I'm getting close. You know, everything I do, I do it in very close proximity, and uh, and that's the way I shoot. Like the other, I did a I did a campaign the other last week for Adidas, and I shot the whole thing like with a 16 to 35 millimeter lens. You know, and they were just like, holy crap. So you were stepping in very close to your subject. Yeah, and that's and that's uh, you know that's what I use. If I'm shooting digital, I use a 16 to 35 millimeter lens, and then on my film cameras, they're all 28 or 35 millimeters. You know, I feel that street photography is is better when it's done a, when it's done close. Let me ask about your background as a photographer. Have you done any formal study? Have you apprenticed any other photographers, or are you entirely self-taught? Uh, I'm entirely self-taught, but. Uh, about five or six years ago, I was working closely with another photographer named Brad Evans. Uh, he and I connected through photography. Um, you know, he's like twice my age. And, you know, he and I just really hit it off. He, you know, came from the peninsula, was very curious about the streets, started photographing a lot in San Francisco and, you know, getting close, talking to people, you know, learning their stories. And uh, where me... I didn't have the photography background that he did, but I came from the streets. So he and I, you know, like connected in a way where it was sort of like a yin and a yang. And uh, he was a huge influence on me, you know, in my earlier years where we would talk about, um, you know, I, I, I guess I wasn't as compassionate about other people before we connected. You know, I had that street mentality where it was like, oh, this is just a dope fiend, whatever. You know, and then, you know, through, you know, years of just like talking with him and working with him and, and he and I just building off one another, you know, I've, I've sort of learned, you know, to kind of relax a little bit and not, you know, be this, this hardcore street guy. I feel more compassionate towards, you know, other people's situations. He taught me to kind of tone down the street edge a little bit and step away and look at my scene as, as an outsider. And, uh, and once I was able to do that, that's when I kind of understood the importance of what I was doing. So it's, an, it's unfortunate, you know, Brad's not as active anymore. He has other things going on in his life, but, you know, we're still really good friends. You have been uh, very honest publicly about the challenges of maintaining a life in San Francisco with the expense and all, and a lot of the rougher neighborhoods or even some of the not rough neighborhoods, the prices are going up so dramatically for, uh, for housing that it's changing the nature of San Francisco. How is this affecting your own life? Well, right now, uh, my life is very up in the air. I'm uh, probably have to leave the city. You know, I'm thinking about LA, but I'm not sure yet. And basically, I have like about a month to figure everything out. So I'm kind of stressed out with that. But uh, it's going to be sad. I don't want to leave the city. But at the same time, I'm looking at it like, well, if I do, you know, this is just an opportunity for me to get more material, you know, new material, more material, new experiences. Sometimes I feel like I've turned over uh, mostly every rock in San Francisco. You know, it's, it's something that's like, it's been very hard on me because, you know, I've been here about 20 years. I've paid incredible dues to live here. You know, I came out here in the mid-late 90s 
and you know lived in the tenderloin SROs, you know went days without eating and you know and was forced to do some stuff that like I would never even consider now just to survive back then. I feel like you know I've really earned a slot to live in San Francisco. So I'm heartbroken that I can't, you know, afford to live here any longer. You know, I have issues paying, you know, $4,000 for an apartment, you know, and then I also have issues with, you know, relocating 30, 45 or an hour away from the city, you know, just to come in here every day to do the same thing I've been doing for so many years. So that that's bothering me. You know, and then the, the, you know, the thought of like having to leave here and going to a new town and, and starting all over again, while it's exciting at the same time, like I'm just extremely heartbroken, I'm bitter, you know, but I don't know who to, who to point the anger to. You know, I can't blame the tech companies because, you know, they have every right to do business there. I can't blame the techies because they have every right to be here. It's a small peninsula and a lot of people all want to be here and that makes it hard for everybody. Yeah. And so I just kind of am looking at it like this is a sign. Maybe I got to keep it moving. And, you know, Los Angeles is very much on the table. I have a lot of work down there right now. I've been down there three times this month in the last month. I grew up down in LA and it's a, a fascinating metropolis. It's got it, one because it's huge, but just it's so varied. There's so many different cultures that there are a lot of different places you can settle in and create your own world down there. Exactly. And the way that I look at it too is, you know, I've, I've really, really hit the streets in San Francisco. You know, like I've, I've, I feel that the body of work I have from San Francisco is a very accurate portrayal of the San Francisco that I live in. You know, maybe there's a, I know a lot of people look at my images and they're like, oh, wow, I had no idea this, this side of San Francisco existed. But like, that's a very accurate portrayal of like what I'm seeing and, you know, how I'm living every day. When it comes to Los Angeles, I'm like, wow, you know, this is a city that's just way bigger than San Francisco. And there's so much opportunity here. Nobody's really you know, crushed Los Angeles from like a street photography perspective that I've ever seen. I mean, I know Gary Winogrand was down there and I'm no way ever comparing myself to Gary Winogrand, but I know he was down there towards like the later part of his life. And, you know, and, and I think he only kind of scratched the surface. I guess it's just, yeah, maybe this is just my time to, you know, turn over a new leaf and, and get lost in a whole new, in a whole new city and kind of you know, experience and have those feelings that I had when I first came to San Francisco nearly 20 years ago. You know, while I'm down there, I have a, you know, I have uh, two books that I'm, that I'm working on. Both are done from a photo standpoint. It's just a matter of like sequencing and, and getting the text in there and, and really going in with the pruning shears to like kind of edit down to like the strongest work. One is just a, one book is a is a collection of street photos that were snapped between I would say 2007 until present that kind of document like the boom here in San Francisco to the recession all the way up to the you know where we're at now and it's crazy when I look back through a lot of these photos that a lot of these places are gone now I'm quite proud of that work you know because I think there's a lot of you know a lot of uh, forgotten places and individuals that need to be uh, spotlighted. And as far as the other book, uh, it's something that I've been working on for the last like three and a half years in the Excelsior district, which in my opinion is like the last real San Francisco neighborhood. And God forbid the day this push ever really, this tech push really spreads into that neighborhood because like there goes guys are not going out without a fight. 
you know, like they're very adamant about preserving the culture in their neighborhood. And I really respect that. It's a multi-ethnic working class neighborhood for those who aren't uh, familiar with San Francisco. That's, um, as you say, one of the last bastions that hasn't been changed dramatically by the tech push, although pretty much every neighborhood is getting changed. It's coming. You know, it's coming. And like I said, those guys aren't going to go without a fight. And, and that book um, is something that I've been working on, like I said, for three and a half years. And what started out as me just kind of, you know, exploring out there out of curiosity has just led to a whole movement of photographers out in that neighborhood now where, you know, now there's probably like four or five photographers that are out of the Excelsior that are, you know, documenting their neighborhood, you know, their, their lives. Do you work together? Yeah, we do. We do. It's um, you know, one of my uh, one of my really good friends who was sort of like one of the main people that introduced me into the neighborhood, into the scene and the culture. He picked up a camera and I and I told him I said, "Man, if you're serious about this, I'll I'll teach you everything I know." And here we are 3 and a half years later and he's just um, you know, he's killing it from a photo standpoint. He's getting his own gigs now. What's his name so we know who to look for? Yeah, his name is Rasta Dave 52. If you look him up online and, uh, you know, he said a few things to me over the years that have just really stuck with me. Like at one time he told me, you know, we were hanging out on the corner of, I think like mission and, uh, Russia right there. And he was like, God, this is crazy. He goes five years ago. I would, you know, I would have been out here with a pistol and, you know, here we are now and I'm out here with a camera, you know? And so that right there, like really stuck with me, you know, and kind of like made me realize that like what I do and the work that I do out in the streets is like significant. Like when you said, you know, what do I get out of all this? That's kind of what I get out of it is just like being able to teach, to teach the craft to other people that like really have the eye or a story to tell. And, and when he, you know, there's, there's other things too. Like I have another friend that's, you know, that, that just got out of prison for seven years, didn't know what to do with his life. You know, I showed him the, you know, showed him, uh, photography, you know, he's worked with me for, you know, three, three and a half years. And he too has his own gigs now. He's shooting weddings and doing, you know, music videos. So that's, that's where the reward comes for me. You know, it's never been about the money. It's more so about just kind of paying it forward and teaching the craft to other people now. And, and it's cool seeing these guys do legitimate business you know, taking their street game and their street hustles and then, you know, using it in a positive way to do business with their with their cameras. And you working with that community, Brian Eno, the musician, had a concept that it's not about individual genius, but it's about being a senius where there's the whole community of artists working together. And that's where the great work comes from all. Exactly. That's 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 a good point, because, you know, my my work out there, for for example, and, and I'm very, and I always tell this to people, is you know this is just me. Yeah, I make the photos, but it's it's a collaborative effort, you know, like with with everybody in the neighborhood. You know, there's you know somebody you'll just you know get in their car and they feel like spinning some donuts, and I'm right there with my camera, and boom, you know, we just made some really cool, really cool photographs of a dying, you know, of a dying, um, you know, culture here. Yeah, it's fun. There's been a bunch of sideshows in Oakland, and then all of a sudden you were posting photos of guys doing donuts out in the Excelsior. It was this reminder that uh, this kind of car culture and this kind of excitement has not gone away. Oh, yeah, and, and, it, and it was cool. I was just talking to you know, my wife about that earlier. I was like, I showed her a picture of uh, some, some negatives I had of somebody spinning donuts, and you could see the traffic was backed up like three blocks down the street, and, and, but nobody was honking. And it's not out of fear, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm going to get shot. 
it's more so just like wow, like you know, like just kind of shock and awe. Like they've never, they've, they've maybe never seen anyone like handle an automobile like that in per, you know, in real life. But other people are entertained by it too, I think, and it's just kind of like wow, you know, that guy just went corner to corner with his car and spun it around, and nobody got hurt, and it was a cool show. I'm very proud of that body of work as well. You know, and 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 just kind of you know telling this this neighborhood story and and some of the some of the individuals that make it special. Our guest today has been photographer Travis Jensen. His website is travisjensenphoto.com, where you'll see examples of his street photography as well as uh, some of his editorial and commercial work. You've been listening to the work of art. I'm Ted Weinstein. you enjoyed this conversation and will listen to many more. Our theme music is by Mental 99 and used with their kind permission. A production of Ted Weinstein Literary Management, this has been The Work of Art. <laughs>